What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimwing here with y'all. As always, coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky, where we are unable to do a uh, recap podcast last week, as uh, did not have, you see these beautiful lights in, in the background here, I guess above me, did not have those over the weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, out of power due to some strong wind storms, thunderstorms that rolled through the area on Friday afternoon. Some folks just getting their power back here in Louisville uh, today. Uh, thankful we got power back there on Sunday night, but because of that, we're unable to do a recap podcast and then was unable to do a podcast on Tuesday as well, just with uh, time constraints of other things. So uh, first podcast here in a week. Uh, we're not going to hit on anything that happened last week. We're just going to dive right into the usual and pick up with, we'll talk a little bit about some midweek action, but then we'll get right into the weekend that will be. And it's another big one here in week five of the college lacrosse season. As I mentioned, though, first and foremost, want to get some midweek action out of the way. And we had some good midweek action this week, obviously highlighted by the Doyle Smith Cup there. Uh, Virginia retains it for, I believe, a third year in a row, so I know, at least second year in a row. Uh, there. Well, they didn't play in 21, but you know, third consecutive uh meeting believe it is that Virginia has won it uh Virginia wins it two in a row I know at least that uh and, and this was a game that I thought Virginia from the start they dominated obviously uh they jumped out to a, a 6-0 lead a 6-0 lead there uh that lasted through the early minutes of the second quarter They're up five nothing at the end of the first make it six nothing there and it felt like from that point on and even though Virginia started hot and, and, and Hopkins, to the credit, uh, was able to creep back into things, it felt like Virginia had control of that game throughout. And uh, you know, P.D. Osala was, was great at the faceoff dot. Patrick McIntosh, six goals. Xander Dixon, six goals uh, there for the Cavaliers. Griffin Schutz, four goals to assist. Really felt like in that game, and, and through the past couple of games, we've seen Virginia showcase more of its diversity and its depth, offensively especially. And, you know, Matthew Nunes, I, I, and I saw some comments about Nunes, and some people had asked me, is that maybe the only weakness? And I don't, I'm, not really, I'm, not, I'm not ready yet to state goalie is the only weakness for Virginia. Obviously, they've got some tremendous uh, defensemen in front of him in Cole Kastner and company, and th these guys are big, physical, and athletic defensemen, and you saw them, especially in that first quarter, being able to hold the Hopkins offense as best as they could. And like I said, Hopkins, they got close multiple times. There was a man-up situation. Matt Collison gets it with 8.07 left uh, there to make it a 
Uh, 8.07 left in the half to make it a 6-3 game. That's as close as the Blue Jays would get all day. They never got uh, beyond down three in this contest. Virginia really did kind of run away with this thing uh, in the end. And, uh, you know, they get what was the final 18 to 13 final there on Tuesday night at Homewood Field. The Virginia Cavaliers take home the Doyle Smith Cup and uh, another good win there for Virginia with Hawkins. Do want to say, you know, <clears throat> was good seeing, uh, you know, Hawkins kind of come back together more. And you've seen that the past couple of games. They got the win there over St. Joseph's over the weekend. They, uh, you know, obviously looked decent there against Virginia. Actually, was a much closer game than I thought it was going to be. That was so credit to Hopkins there, and they look like they're getting better. And certainly, with a lot of these guys coming back into the fold. Uh, Bowden Suzuki coming back, uh, Suzuki, uh, excuse me, coming back into the fold after being out early in the season. You also have Russell Melendez back in the fold now. Tim Marcel, uh was back for the St. Joseph's game in this game as well. So uh, you've got some of these guys that have been injured coming back into things. Uh, Matt Narliski played a little bit, I believe, on Tuesday as well. So you're seeing some guys coming back in the fold and and working their way back in. And Hopkins is looking better with it than they did without those guys. And, and we'll see how much better they can improve here in the coming weeks. They uh, coming up here this weekend, uh, Virginia has towels in this weekend. And Virginia, uh, Hopkins cannot, oh, Syracuse, excuse me, Syracuse. And we'll talk about that game here in a minute, uh, but, but Hawkins has Syracuse next up here, so another big one there for them. A uh, couple other games I want to talk about here. Uh, let's go to Philadelphia, where the second biggest game of the week of the midweek slate, and this was a big midweek slate, Penn 13, St. Joe's 12. It's the third consecutive time that that has been the score between these two programs, and it's the second year in a row that this game has gone to overtime and Penn going to overtime. Penn wins in overtime. A, a, a big win here for the Quakers on uh, what was Wednesday night. They won this contest. Sam Hanley, well, Penn looked a lot better in this game than they have all season. I think it's probably the best game Penn has played all year. Sam Hanley had the game winner and and he was phenomenal in this contest. He finished, what did he finish with? He finished with uh, four goals on the day as he led the offense there. Shipley had five assists. Uh, Shipley had the game winning assist as well. And it was a beautiful play there from Penn. They get the, they get the St. Joseph's defense to rotate. Sam Hanley gets it. And it's a little, I don't even want if you want to call it a fake, just kind of looks to the side and, and moves his stick to the side. The defender thinks he's moving the ball. And as soon as the defender just budges a bit, Hanley, you know, rips it for an absolute rocket of a game winner there. Matt Bomer had sent this one into overtime with a St. Joseph score there to make it 12-12 with, I believe, uh, 408 remaining in regulation. This was a very tight game, very back-and-forth game. 
this one was uh, two two really good teams. I think two teams that clearly showed why they're in the top 20 and why they have been top 20 teams all season, played very well. I mentioned Penn. We've talked about those struggles early in the season. Penn is looking better. Uh, Sony looked better in that game. I thought the offense looked much more cohesive than it had all season. And we mentioned Penn, they get better with the year. Their offense especially gets deeper and kind of comes into form as the year goes on. That's just something Penn does. And we all know they schedule as tough as anybody, so they are battle-tested by the time they get to Ivy League play. They're battle-tested by the time they get to the Ivy League tournament. And uh, Penn's got another test this weekend against Villanova. It's the Philly Four Classic weekend. Uh, St. Joseph's plays they play Drexel, believe it is, o- o- over the weekend. I know Drexel played Villanova on Wednesday night. Villanova got the win there. Nine to one in the second half that game was in favor of Villanova. Uh, the Wildcats running away with that one. Uh, last midweek thing I want to talk about here is Dartmouth. Dartmouth is four and oh. That is the first time the Big Green have been four and oh since 2003, which uh, you know anything about Dartmouth. That is the uh, that is the last time that they went to the NCAA tournament. The only time in which they've done so uh, in the NCAA era, losing to Syracuse thirteen to eleven in that first round contest. Dartmouth has a bit of a of a break now after Tuesday night's game. They went twenty to sixteen over Hobart, and look, they were down seven to one. I, I, I checked the score of this one, didn't even turn it on. I said, oh, wow, that's that's a bit surprising. 7-1 to one Hobart, I would have thought it would have been closer. I check it at halftime, and this thing, what was it at halftime? It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty close. Uh, a 7, an 8-8 eight to eight game at halftime. Uh, so, you know, I, I look at it at the – Beginning of the uh, the end of the first, it's six to one, and then it's seven to one very early on in that second, and I, I turned that thing off. Check the score. I see the halftime on Twitter. I pull that thing back up, and and, and an absolutely unbelievable comeback here from Dartmouth, an offensive shootout. If I've ever seen one from this program, and I can't remember the last time Dartmouth was involved in an offensive performance like this. Emmett Paradigm, the freshman, seven goals, three assists, a 10-point game for the freshman there. Emmett Paradigm, five goals from Colin McGill in this one as well. 21 for 39 day for Mitchell Myers at the faceoff dot. He played pretty well above 50%, above 50% there. Uh, and just an overall Good performance here from Dartmouth. And I mentioned they've got some time off now. They got a game against North Carolina on uh, next Sunday. So they've got some time off to recuperate from that wild Tuesday night game and uh, get focused on what will be their biggest game uh, before Ivy League play. And that is against North Carolina. Dartmouth, uh, I've seen, has received votes. In the top 20, I believe it was last week after they beat Siena 11 to 8. Pretty good Siena team. 
as we've talked about. And Dartmouth, I think right now, has got to be on the outside looking in in that top 20. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see what they do over the next few weeks, especially if they can beat North Carolina. Uh, that would be a huge, huge victory there for Brennan Callahan and the Big Green, a, a Dartmouth program that really has stepped it up here in recent years recruiting-wise and play on the field has started has started to show through there. Again, the question is with Dartmouth, can they win an Ivy League game? We will see here as the season progresses and Ivy League play gets underway in uh, three weeks from, actually two weeks from uh, this weekend. Moving on to the weekend slate, and I uh, want to first talk about a unfortunate situation with Brown. So uh, we had we, we we had seen on the stat sheet the past couple of weeks that Brown was uh, missing some guys. Uh, Devin McLean wasn't in there. You've seen Aiden McLean, the, the younger McLean, kind of step up there offensively. Trevor Yaboa Cody wasn't in there, and some other guys. And we uh, now know uh, I. Terry Foy of Inside Lacrosse had sent a uh, – he had sent an inquiry about that, and uh, they were told there were there were some players facing suspensions. And we now know uh, via Terry Foy of Inside Lacrosse that seven Brown seniors are suspended until March 25th. So that includes the game against North Carolina this weekend. That also included the game last weekend against Stony Brook. Brown didn't seem to have much trouble without him. Dev McLean, Logan Path, Griffin King, Topher Bly, Trevor Yaboa Cody, and defenseman Oscar Hertz and Ben Palin all suspended from a uh, noise complaint, I believe it is, that happened at a January 28th party uh, at a house off campus. I guess it's University policy, you can only have so many noise complaints. I believe what I'd read, it was the third noise complaint they had had, as I understand it. So they've been suspended for the time being, a big hit to uh, Brown, as they will not be, the, those guys, and especially you know McLean and, and TYK, two of the top players on that team, uh, have been instrumental in this in the past couple of, of seasons. So they will miss the North Carolina game. They will miss the Hollywood game next week as Ivy League play begins. And they will uh, be back, it appears, for the uh, the suspension is through January 25th. So uh, unclear if they'll be back for the UMass game because that's the day it ends. But uh, the suspension goes through the uh, goes up till the day that they play UMass. So if they miss that one as well, uh, there would still be Villanova, Princeton, Penn, Yale, Cornell, Bryant, and Dartmouth. So what is that? Six, seven games left uh, on the schedule once they are reinstated. So a tough blow. Uh, they're in a tough stretch here for the Brown Bears. Now, before uh, we move on, I want to kind of give a rundown of this weekend, some other games to watch here. Certainly the Brown-Carolina game, I think, was all, 
I already had it written down as a game that was interesting um, in my preview, but now even with the, with those guys that we know are going to be out for that game, even more interesting there as well. Uh, Duke and Loyola uh, is happening on Friday, so this is coming out Thursday night. This podcast is many y'all listening on Friday morning, so uh, on today, that's going to be a big one there. We've seen uh, this is a battle of top 10 teams here, uh, the uh, Blue Devils and the Greyhounds. Very interested to see how the Loyola defense, which has been pretty good this season, can handle the Duke offense that has kind of sparked here as of late. We know what O'Neill can do. And those other guys on that roster, very talented offense there that Duke has. That's kind of peaked here recently. We'll see what they can do. This is a game last year that Loyola laid an egg in the first half and uh, had to fight hard to get back into this contest, and Loyola ultimately lost, ultimately won that game. Yale and Denver there at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday. That, that'll be interesting. I, I think Yale, coming off the UMass game, has some good momentum. They, they, they look like they're kind of getting things together defensively, they came out a lot stronger that UMass game. I think if Yale comes out slow again, though, defensively, this could be a big win for Denver. And Denver, they're coming off the Merrimack last week. And, uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see how they do here in, uh, against Yale as Denver's trying to get back into the flow of things. Harvard and Michigan, this game last year was the game where I think for many, Harvard officially kind of came out as a – uh, top tier uh, team, a team that could you know, run with the best of them. And they played very good against that Michigan offense. The Harvard defense did. This is going to be interest, an interesting one. Again, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a different game for sure than we saw from last season. Uh, this one is in Cambridge. Uh, I really want to see, we saw what Harvard did to Vermont. I think Harvard, Michigan, and Vermont are kind of all in a similar vein, in a similar pack there, kind of outside the top 20, maybe in the top 25-ish looking in. I really want to see what Harvard can do in this contest here against Michigan and vice versa. Michigan looking to prove themselves. Uh, once again, obviously had the loss to Marquette a few weeks ago. And uh, this team obviously coming off of a big win over Delaware, Will they bounce back? It would be another big bounce back one here for Michigan over Harvard. And we mentioned Harvard. They had the big loss to Virginia, and they do to Vermont last week what they did. North Carolina Brown, as we already mentioned, um, and that one, uh, North Carolina coming off a 9-8 loss over Denver. You've got Brown has some of those suspensions, but the offense has continued to look pretty good, at least did so against Stony Brook. Penn and Villanova, another Philly Four Classic game there. That's going to be a battle. Both these teams are top 20 programs at the moment. Penn looked very good on Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday night against St. Joseph's. We'll be very interested to see how the Quakers continue here against Villanova. This one, I would say, is probably even a more high-profile game just because of the Villanova, Penn, those names carry a lot more weight than Penn, St. Joseph's do. Um, big, big battle here against those two teams on Saturday. 
afternoon at 3.30. Uh, Sam Hanley was phenomenal in that game over the uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Villanova, we know, ran away from Drexel. So uh, very interested to see how this one goes about. And faceoff die, I think, could play uh, a, a big factor there with uh, Justin Coppola there at Villanova. Chris Arceli for Penn. We'll see how that one goes down. So those are some kind of other games I wanted to mention. And let, me, let me scan here real quick just to make sure there's not any others I want to mention here before we move on to previewing some of the main events of the weekend. Uh, CAA play does begin with, and I can't remember the one team, those two teams play a CAA game this weekend, and MAC play does begin this weekend, as we have got uh, Quinnipiac Canisius, we have got um, multiple other ones as well, as I'm scrolling through here, uh, Sienna Sacred Heart, it's, it's always very hard for me now, like with these new MAC teams, I'm still scrolling through and seeing Sienna Sacred Heart, MAC, NEC, no, 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 that's MAC, MAC now, so uh, we, we've got a lot of MAC games here on on the docket. Vermont UMass is is a very interesting one there at three thirty p.m. as well uh, on Saturday. Air Force and Bryant I think could be a very interesting mid uh, tier battle. Colgate Navy possibly uh, when you look at you know Colgate ha- has not won a game yet this season. They were tough early on against Boston U. Uh, but ultimately, you know, fell by the wayside in that one. And Navy, Patrick Skolniak is out for the season. Uh, we saw that news come out uh, via uh, Bill Lee at the, um, what is it, Baltimore Sun on, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday night. So big news there for the Navy, a big hit for that offense. He went down with an injury, I think, late in the game over Lehigh. Uh, and Navy on a three-game losing streak, they're looking to get back into that one. So, uh, Colgate Navy could be an interesting one there. And, uh, yeah, that is that is all here that I want to mention. Well, St. Joseph's Drexel, another 34 classic battle there. I think St. Joseph's should take that one. But, again, could be interesting uh, the way that one goes. Yeah, so I think that's, that's it for the uh, kind of other games I wanted to mention here before we get uh, going on some of these big battles, and we got to start here with some rivalry contests. A rivalry contest. Starting out here, so we have two to preview here, Rutgers and Princeton, and then Syracuse and Johns Hopkins. We also have North Car- uh, uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State we'll touch on this weekend as well. Notre Dame being one of the four unbeaten teams, along with uh, Cornell, Dartmouth, and Virginia. So, Rutgers and Princeton. Rutgers and Princeton. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights will welcome the Princeton Tigers into, on the banks, as they say, in what is it, Piscataway, wherever the heck it is, uh, there in New Jersey, I believe it's Piscataway. There, a New Jersey State battle, a rivalry battle for the Totes Maestro Cup. It is a historic meeting. Excuse me. As it will be the 100th meeting between 
these two programs. We saw the Scarlet Knights take an 18-14 win over Utah last week. This is a Rutgers offense that's been led very heavily. Ross Scott, Brian Cameron, Dante Kulis. We've seen this NASCAR offense get going there with Noah Daniels, the Mount St. Mary's transfer, Bobby Russo, the uh, top pole for them there. And Princeton plays a, a, a similar game, if you will. Uh, the Tigers coming off of another loss, 13-10 to 10 defeat over Georgetown, where once again they start kind of slow and are unable to get going in the second half enough to come back. <laughs> the Tigers have allowed 14 second-half goals and combined for 18 first-half turnovers in their last two games. That's versus Maryland versus Georgetown. With Princeton, though, I mentioned they play a similar game. They've got a bunch of guys that can get out and run, Jake Stevens being uh, number one among them. I'm going to be, be very interested and in see how these two teams attack each other Last season, this was a very good contest, and we saw the similarities in the way these teams play. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll be interested to see if that comes out once again here on Saturday afternoon between these two. Um, in terms of who am I picking in this contest, I'm very interested in, I'm very interested in seeing how good Princeton can come out. And for me, that's the biggest thing I want to watch in this game. How well can Princeton come out in this contest? And how well can the offense put things together? We know they have talent there with Brandon Solis, with you know, Jake Stevens, the, the, the two-way midfielder there, Sam, Sam English, Colter McAsee, all of those guys. There's a ton of talent on that offense attack and midfield all over the place. How they put it all together, which they haven't done the past couple of weeks, is going to be interesting. Also, do we finally see a situation at goalie that is fluid throughout the game? And what I mean by that is, does Griffin Rackauer play the whole game? He didn't. He has not all season. He's by far, I think, been the better goalie the past couple of weeks. He's played the first half when that defense has looked much better. He's played much better than Michael Gina Ficarlo has. Do we see a change there? So that's the two things I'm working with with Princeton is I'm looking at with Princeton is do they is well, really three things. Do they start out fast? Do they not fast, but better than they have before? past couple weeks, do they put their offense together in a way that we saw them do early on in the season against some of those more cupcake-ish games? And then C, do they make a change in goal? Because, look, we know Princeton has the horses to run with Rutgers. We know Rutgers has the horses to run with Princeton if they, if they choose to do so. This could be a very close, very tight game. However, Princeton has not shown the past couple of weeks that they they necessarily have the have the uh the ability to, to go a full game. Besides that, and I should say despite that, I'm picking Princeton in this game. 
I believe they can come out in this one. It's a rivalry contest. Princeton's fared well in this rivalry. Historically, I think they can get this win. I think they can come out. I think they can show us what they've needed to show us the past couple of weeks. So I'm taking Princeton in this game. Syracuse and Johns Hopkins. Syracuse is coming off a 14 to 13 overtime loss to Duke at home. The Orange are on a three game losing streak there. Uh, Joey Spolina, 16 goals, seven assists. Owen Hiltz, nine goals, 12 assists. Are the two leaders of this offense. And we know this offense is good. We know this offense can put up points. Johnny Accusa has not been phenomenal at the faceoff dot. The close defense hasn't looked best. Will Mark has looked phenomenal in cage. That's that's been Syracuse. That's been the story of Syracuse this season. The offense has been pretty fine. Like I think the offense has been good. Uh, beyond that first game, it looks like the offense has progressed. Defense, you can't say the same with exception of Will Mark. Hopkins looks like they are putting things together finally. Looks like they're getting back into their groove. They lost the 18-13 game over Virginia. But like I said, they played a lot better in that game than I thought they would have. And as I mentioned, they're getting these guys back into the fold. They're playing a much better brand of lacrosse right now than they had the past couple of weeks and certainly than they did against Loyola a few weeks ago. Hopkins is looking better. Tim Marcille has, has shown a lot in cage. Bones uh, Suzuki has been good in coming back. Uh, we have seen you know, Melendez back in the fold. And Jealous has been strong. Degnon has been strong. At the outset of the week, looking over these games, I felt like Syracuse, and this is in the dome, by the way, I felt like Syracuse had the upper hand in this game. I felt like Syracuse uh, was was due for a win, and they are. Syracuse is due for a win. However, I'm taking Hopkins in this contest. I feel like Hopkins is the better team right now, holistically. Defensively, they've been better. Scott Smith had a couple really good plays on Tuesday. Like they've got more horses on 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 defense. I feel like I feel like the faceoff dot maybe the only area where it could be a coin flip. But again, uh, what Hopkins has done faceoff dot with the number of guys they've played has been pretty decent, and they were pretty decent there against St. Joseph's for sure. So we'll see how things roll in this one. But I'm taking Hopkins again. I th- I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be a tight game. Uh as we have seen with these programs in the past. But but I think Hopkins takes this one. And uh, was it Syracuse or Hopkins? that uh, Hopkins won last season, I believe, in this contest. Let me pull this up real quick. Who won last season uh, in this rivalry? So I believe it was Hopkins, if I'm not mistaken. I'll pull this up here real quick to check it. Loading. Yeah. Hopkins won last season 10 to 7. Uh, Syracuse won 2019 and 20 
20. I'm picking Hopkins to win again here in 2023. Now, we've also got a couple unbeaten teams that are uh, going to be looking to remain unbeaten this weekend, and that includes the uh, Cornell Big Red and the Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish. For Cornell, they face Penn State. For Notre Dame, they will face Ohio State, both facing Big Ten programs. Let's talk about Cornell here for a second. So Cornell welcomes to Ithaca a Penn State team that has upset a pair of Ivy League teams back-to-back weeks, looking to pull the upset against another Ivy League team this weekend in the Big Red. Big Red, though, have been very good. Cornell's been one of the most sneakily good teams because they haven't had as many big-time games, but they had a big one against Ohio State last week and showed a lot in that contest, both offensively and defensively. C.J. Coast, 20 goals, 6 assists. Billy Coyle, 11 goals, 3 assists. Brian Piatelli, 7 goals, 3 assists. That's your attack line. That is headlining this offense. And then also you've got Chase Irwin to anchor a defense that's been great all season with the likes of Gavin Adler there uh, to headline that close unit. Face-off dot, I think I give it to Penn State in this one. It's not been uh, phenomenal at the dot there for Cornell this season, as it wasn't phenomenal last season. I think Penn State and Chase Mullins, I think Hudson Bond, whoever it is, I think Penn State has the upper hand in that category. I'm very interested to see how this Penn State defense um, plays the, 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 the matchup between the chess match between offense and defense is always the most interesting aspect of a lacrosse game. I think in this one, it's even more so because both these offenses and both these defenses have had such good performances each of the past couple of weeks. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see how they play against each other here on Saturday. And this is a game that was a one-goal game last season. Um, now, when you look at Penn State, you've got Matt and Jack Trainer, TJ Malone, uh, Kevin Winkoff, Chris Jordan, pair of transfers. They've been very good, and they've been very deep offensively as well. So uh, I think the depth of, of offense very well could win this game. Um, the Cornell ride, we'll see how that plays against the Penn State team. They broke the Yale ride pretty easily. Uh, a few weeks ago, so we'll see how that goes here uh, on Saturday there in Ithaca, the riding and clearing game. Notre Dame welcomes to <clears throat> South Bend, the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is a game that uh, got a pair of good offensive players, and Chris Cavanaugh, Pat Cavanaugh, obviously they're for Notre Dame. You've got Jack Myers, Ed Sheen and company there for Ohio State. Some really good offensive players. But I'm excited about the defense in this one. Chris Cohen, Chris Fake, Liam Intiman, there for uh, Liam Intiman and Cage, there for Notre Dame. You've got 
uh, Bobby Van Buren, Marcus Hudgens, Jacob Snyder, and in Cage, Skylar Wayland, there for Ohio State. This could be a defensive battle. We know how these two how these two programs play. Could be a defensive battle. <coughs> and particularly how the top defenders do against those top offensive players is something to watch in this game. This is going to, and again, Ohio State is looking for a win here. Notre Dame coming off a big win over Maryland where they were able to uh, win the matchups at the midfield. And, and that's something I think we're going to, Notre Dame could do again here is win those matchups at the midfield very much so against Ohio State. So, so that's a that's a big kind of game within the game to watch again this week is that Notre Dame midfield, how they continue to progress and how they can win those matchups against Ohio State. And I think they can win those matchups there against Ohio State, which is why I'm taking Notre Dame in this contest. I'm taking Cornell in their game over Penn State. A couple other games I'm picking this week, I'm picking Yale over Denver, and I'm picking Penn over Villanova. I think the Quakers get another win here, uh, second win in a row on Saturday. I think the Yale Bulldogs <coughs> also get a second win in a row there against the Pioneers. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, uh, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Apologies for the uh, 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 pauses, a lot of coughing uh, this week with allergies going awry, a lot of, um, you know, runny nose, all of that with really everyone, especially in this part of the country here this time of year. So apologies for some of the pauses in this one, uh, but uh, trying to get through it and get another episode out to y'all, and especially so after we were unable to do one uh, you know, Sunday or on Tuesday. As always, thank y'all for tuning in, and we will see y'all back here on Sunday night to recap the weekend that was lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.